We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. Once again, it is the Field of 68 Best Bets Podcast and Best Bets Livestream. My name is Rob Dawson. The gentleman you see on the other side of me is the one and only Jeffrey Goodman. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. Basketball last night. We got two Final Four teams. Half the I know. There. We got Baylor. We got Houston. Yeah. What do you got for me, Jeff? How you doing? You know, obviously, I don't think either surprised us going into the night. Um, you know, Oregon State looked to have zero chance of, of winning that game. And all of a sudden, they climbed back from, I think it was 34-17. Climbed back, tied it at 55, and then kind of ran out of gas at that point. But, man, that, that, that zone – that one three one with the big boy at the top, mm-hmm. they could not figure it out. Like it was comical to watch them, and, and I think part of it was they were trying to take the air out of the ball too, at that point because they were up fifteen, twelve, whatever it was for most of that that stretch. Um, but that big boy, like at the top, like he's hard. He's, I mean, his hands. He was able to get, and it's like a tight like one three one, and and Houston doesn't move the ball quick enough. That was their problem watching it was they were throwing these like floating passes back and forth instead of to me, if you want to expose that one, three, one, what, what you have to, you have to move the ball and then attack. And they did not do that. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is when you have the the six ten guy or the six, nine guy with the long arms on the top of the, the one through run, the whole point of it is to make you have to throw those looping passes. That's why you put those people in those spots on the floor. So it was a, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to see that comeback. And I'll tell you what, as somebody that had Oregon State yeah. plus eight, it was uh, that game was much more of a sweat for me than it probably was for anybody that was not betting on that game. Um, but yeah, Kelvin Sampson in the Final Four, and you, <laughs> it will never not be funny to me and not be ironic to me. Yeah, that on the day that Kelvin Sampson qualifies for the Final Four uh, yeah. with Houston. He did it in Indianapolis, in the state of Indiana, on the same day that Indiana announced the fourth coach that they've had since he was fired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's an amazing story, right? I mean, he was completely run out of college basketball for making illegal phone calls for the most part. He had done it at Oklahoma. He did it again in Indiana. What's that? Think about that for a second. He was out of college basketball for five years because he made too many phone calls and he sent too many text messages. Just yeah, it sounds stupid. Years ago. It sounds dumb, but at the time, like I broke that story. I, I forget where I was, but I broke that story when when he resigned or was forced to resign, obviously. Um, 
And at the time, it was serious. Like, it was a big thing, and it was humiliating, and it was embarrassing because here's this guy, like, again, he had already done it at Oklahoma. And to basically just do it again was was just it, – it was – it made no sense. Um, so, you know, he goes to the NBA. He basically gets a lifeline from from Pop. Uh, then he, he coaches uh, Milwaukee and Houston as an assistant. And he's in the mix for, like – I remember he, he was, like, the acting head coach for 20 games while Kevin McHale was out. And then he was trying to get in as an NBA head coach, but I think he knew he, he probably wouldn't be able to. And then Mac Rhodes. The crazy part is Mac Rhodes hires him. Mac Rhodes is now the AD at Baylor. So I talked to Mac after the game, and uh, and I said, like, how much of a hesitation did you have when you when you sat down and hired him? And he said, he goes, he came clean. He, he literally, you know, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear he didn't he didn't blame it on anybody else. And I think. Um, Ultimately, again, Mac Rose knew. Everybody knows Kelvin can coach. He's a Hall of Fame caliber coach. There's no doubting that. There's no disputing that. He did it at Washington State. His run at Oklahoma was ridiculous. He was he was going to get it going. I mean, he already had got it going in Indiana. Like, he was going to keep it going in Indiana. And, and to me, they probably would have been in Final Fours had Kelvin um, not gotten fired. So, uh, cool story. I know a lot of people don't think it's a cool story, but I believe in second chances, and, and I believe in second chances not just for Kelvin Sampson, but for Quentin Grimes, for DeJon Giroux, mm-hmm. uh, for Bryson Gresham. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys on that team had second chances. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys on Baylor that are kind of on their second chance too, right? And, and, yeah. and you know, Davion Mitchell and, and Macy O.T. and these guys, it's not like they uh, necessarily flamed out anywhere. Um, but there are a lot of people in this in this game uh, for Baylor and Houston that are both going to be uh, kind of on their second stop. Um, I, I just I wonder, and maybe you know this a little better than I do, but it feels like Kelvin Sampson is something of a villain in the state of Indiana. Yeah. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, everybody kind of wrote that story last night. Yeah, but it also it. It's a long time I it, ago. I get it to a point. But let's let's think about this for a second, right? Let's if you're an Indiana fan, yeah. you're mad at a guy because he made too many phone calls. Like that's what brought the program down is too many phone calls. It, it's just it's it's baffling well, to me that that's that what Matt said. He said the rules changed too. Yeah. The rules changed. No, it's, it's just it's crazy to me yeah. that what the, the that part of the reason that Indiana is in the position that they're in right now still is because sure. they made too many phone calls. It, you know, it's just think about that for a second. Think how much time that you spend on the phone, how much time you text people, um, and that is what brought down Indiana basketball. It's just it, it's it's crazy when you think about it. Where we were in the sport 13 years ago. Yeah, well, now you've got guys going to prison for you know bribery. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, all right, so uh, the team that Houston will be playing in the Final Four is the Baylor Bears. And here, here's my favorite thing about Baylor getting there. It's not uh, – I'll, I'll let you talk about how likable those guys are and how likable Scott Drew is and, and yeah. the fact that it's so easy to root for those players because you know them a little bit better than I do. Uh, but I will say this. Um, after what happened last season with the NCAA tournament getting canceled, with teams having special, maybe unrepeatable seasons, it's nice to see that 
one of those teams is actually having a shot to kind of live out what they were, what they built. You know, we're never going to see Dayton have a chance to win their national title. We're never going to see San Diego State get their chance to win a national title. There were teams that were having truly special, special seasons that are never going to be able to actually live them out. And, and Baylor was one of those teams that was having a year that maybe they'll never have again. Um, and they managed to put it back together, uh, make a run back to the Final Four and get their chance. So I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm glad to see it. And, and uh, it's 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 a good story, man. It's, it's, it's a great story in college basketball. Yeah, I'm going to – listen – Scott Drew, uh, amazing story, and and nobody better to deal with in this industry than Scott Drew. I mean, you know, I talked to Jared Butler's parents last night after the game, and and I said, I'm like, give me your best, you know, Scott Drew story, and uh, he was just talking about. It. He's like, he's not just a, a half glass, half glass full guy. He's like three quarters, and then he was like, no, 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 like it's full, it's full. Like this guy never has. And I even I talked to his his wife and his kids, and I said, "What's the maddest you've ever seen your dad?" And they they looked at me and they're like, "We've never really seen him that mad." Like imagine that, imagine like how many times have you yelled at your son, and, and sworn at your son so far? Sworn at him, not that much. Um, but uh, my children are maniacs, and yes, it is very, very, very frustrating. You, you raise your voice every single day to those hellions. Yeah. But 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 to be fair, yeah. Um, Scott Drew never had to try to parent during a pandemic where oh, it wouldn't matter. 24 Listen. hours a day, seven days a week, and you couldn't see anybody else or get any kind of help or get any relief. So in my defense, uh, the circumstances are a little bit different in the Dawson. I say pandemic or not, household. pandemic or not, you would still be a, a crazy lunatic father uh, <laughs> to those, those hellions that you have um, in the house. Uh, and I'm including uh, Gabrielle among those hellions. Um, anyway, um, so we had a we had a comment pop up. Kelvin Sampson is second on Dan Dockich's enemy list behind Goodman. I don't think so. I'm not that high. I'm not that high. I mean, I know I take shots at him left and right on Twitter, but I don't think I'm that high. And he deserves all the shots. Trust me, they are warranted. Uh, and, and yes, Kelvin. Here's the crazy part: Dockich kills Kelvin. Kelvin gave him a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Like he was out of basketball at that point. Kelvin gave him a lifeline and made him a, an assistant coach. Like crazy. And he kills him. Kills him for it. And it's like, dude, really? Like have some loyalty. Have some loyalty in your life. Um, anyway. Um, so Baylor, um, Davion Mitchell was fantastic. I mean, fantastic last night. Like, Maceo made some huge shots down the stretch, but without Davion on both ends of the court and even playing with foul trouble, like he's just, he, he's just got that gear. He can just, he can, and his hands on, on defense, watching him in person even more over the last uh, couple weeks here, like his hands are so quick. He's so big and strong. Um, he's got a gear. He can shoot it now. He, like, there's not much that that dude can't do. I, I think he's going to be a better player at the next level than we even think. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've I've said all along I thought that he was he needs to be a first-round pick. I've gotten to the point where um, if, I, if he falls out of the top 20, I will be shocked, uh, and I would strongly consider him in the lottery. Like, I, I don't know how many point guards there are in this draft that I can confidently say will be better pros than Davion Mitchell. And, and you're right. It's the ability that he has to go from 
zero to 60, so to speak. Like his first step, and he's at top speed. You know, there was one drive last night, and, and I did a little clip of it on uh, on Twitter, where what they were basically doing was they put three shooters around the floor. They put Davion Mitchell out, uh, excuse me, at the top of the key, and they brought um, Chama Chachua out to set a screen for him. And they opened up a lane to his left because he had Jared Butler in the corner and uh, created all that space in the paint because you had all those shooters. And he basically takes two dribbles and lays it up like this. And it's probably like 1.2 seconds from the point that he started the drive to where the layup is going in. And it's just there's nothing you can do about that. I don't know how you guard that. I have no idea how you stop that. When he decides, I want to get to the rim, I don't know what you can do to keep him from getting to the rim beyond throwing three guys in front. Yeah, no, he, he's he's really fun to watch, and they are. And 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 I thought the big difference last night, Rob, their bigs were good last night. Finally, Bailey, Jonathan uh, Chalmwa Chachua. Hopefully, I got it right, but I, I screwed you up. You did. All right, I'm not as bad. Vital tried it, and and I'm not. Listen, I don't feel bad about screwing it up when his own teammate doesn't even know what it starts with. Maybe I'm. <laughs> Yeah, we got we got to on that. We got to get that clip back out there. Like that should be like an everyday clip for everyday John uh, to hear Davion Mitchell try to pronounce his name. But everyday John was terrific last night. He finally looked like the pre-pause everyday John, didn't he? Yeah, well, it's because it was the perfect matchup for him, right? Because I mean. Justin Smith isn't going to be posting anybody up. They're not going to be running anything too complicated with him. It's basically like, okay, Justin Smith, go out there and run around and be super athletic. And that's basically what Chan Wachachua is really, really good at. The block, he had one play late in the second half where he came out of nowhere to pin a shot on the backboard, uh, grab the the rebound as he was falling down, and managed before he fell out of bounds to flip it to the – like there were three Arkansas, Arkansas guys around him as he's falling out of bounds. Just flip it to the one Baylor guy under the basket. It was it was an unbelievable play. And when he's doing things like that, oh man! And the crazy part is, Davion Mitchell was in foul trouble for most of the first half. Right? I don't think that we saw the best Davion Mitchell defensively in the second half because he was trying to make sure that he didn't pick up his fourth right. foul. Mark Vital like played two minutes in the second half. I know he was in foul trouble. That he came back in with three, picked up his fourth immediately. Right away, it's just like what the fuck. He had a he has a nasty tip. You know dunk. why? You know why? He can't change how he plays. He has no idea how to not body somebody up when they're going up for a shot. Like he can't. Well, not- yes, you're right. And and here's the thing. And and, and I'm going to make this plea. And I'm going to make I'm going to say it over and over and over and over and over again. I'm going to tag whoever I have to tag on Twitter. I'm going to have to beg whoever I need to beg. We need to get an officiating crew on that game that's going to let these dudes play. Because the thing about this matchup is both Baylor and Houston play a style and want to play a style and thrive when they're playing a style where it's almost rugby instead of basketball. And that's not a bad thing. Like they, Houston is – There's going to be a fight during this game. I mean, seriously, there's going to be a fight. Vital and somebody. Both of these teams played so damn hard and so damn intense and so damn physical. Um, like, they, I don't know if you've ever seen the clips of, of Houston practices, but they're like basically running Oklahoma drills out there. Like half their practices, okay, we're going to roll the ball out here and we're going to send three guys at it and no fouls are called and you're going to go try to fight each other to get that loose ball. Like it's, it's so intense and it's so physical. And Houston is already a team that fouls a ton. 
I think that they rank like 340th nationally in, in defensive foul rate. They, they foul a ton. Uh, Baylor is a team that can get called for a lot of fouls if you're not going to allow them to play and play physical and play the way that they want to play. So what I'm asking, the NCAA is both of these teams want to play that way. Can we please allow them to do it so we don't run into a situation where I mean, all of the best players in the game are sitting on the bench? Because nobody bring, wants that. Can't we bring like Higgins and Gaffney and, and, and Teddy V back? Like at this point, let's bring them back for this game. Whatever it is, like let's get some of these guys back that will allow these dudes to play. Because yeah. if if you don't, it's – it's. I mean, look, Mar, uh, Martinez in the comments is exactly right. The officiating is going to dictate this game. And if they ruin it, by calling a whole bunch of taking oh. fouls, it, it's just—I I mean, it'll suck. It'll suck. It'll really, really suck. No, they gotta let them play. They gotta let them play. Very real risk for this game. Um, all right. Do we have anything else that you want to touch on outside of uh, the final four games before we get into previewing tonight's slate? Um, trying to think anything else. What's the line in that? In that the early line? I haven't even looked in the Baylor. Um, uh, it opened at five. It's now down to four and a half. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I, I, I don't know. I got to think about that one a little bit more uh, this week, and we have plenty of time to talk about it, so we won't waste any time today. Let's let's get right into UCLA, Michigan. Let's do it. And uh, Michigan favored by what, six and a half now? Uh, okay. No, Matt River still has that at seven, but it's shaded towards uh, – it's shaded towards um, – Towards UCLA, so Michigan is minus seven, but the line, the the juice is minus one hundred seven. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I just even without livers, I just feel like, all right, give me give me one spot where UCLA has the advantage over Michigan. Give me one. Give me one area. Give me one spot. Can you? Uh, I mean, uh, there, there's better. Um, shot makers on UCLA. Uh, there's guys that I think can create on their own. Like part of the reason, so so here's my take on, on UCLA Michigan. And part of the reason why I'm going to be on Michigan so heavy tonight is that I feel like what UCLA is doing is a little bit unsustainable. Um, they've kind of made this run based off of making tough jump shots, uh, tough jump shots, contested tough. Pull shots. Tough is like the understatement of the year. Yes, like Jules Bernard is not going to be making step back twenty five footers over and over and over and over and over again. Um, some of the plays that Jaime Jaco has made uh, in the Elite or in the Sweet Sixteen game are just things that were incredible plays that you don't want to have to bank on over and over and over again. Um, Johnny Juzang has made a ton of difficult shots throughout this tournament, and I feel like at this point, like part of the reason why UCLA is here is because they had to play Alabama in a game where Alabama shot 11 for 25 from the free throw line. And uh, there were a couple of, let's just say, questionable calls when it comes to um, the way that the charges and whatnot were officiated. So uh, I really, really like Michigan in the spot. And the line's going to keep coming down. I'll, I'll play it down to six and a half. If it gets to six, I'll play it there too. Um, so I think Michigan wins this game by 10 or 12. But I just think that they're going to be too solid defensively. And uh, we, were already, we, we already saw – that Jawan Howard could find a way to scheme um, his team to get uh, to take advantage of their most advantageous matchup um, against Florida State and, and how they got Hunter Dickinson the ball. Um, and I think he's going to be able to do the same thing against UCLA, who I don't think is anywhere near as good defensively as Florida State is. So, uh, yeah, 
I love yeah, it. I'm with you. Listen, I'm with you. You know, I think everybody's gotten UCLA wrong a lot over the last week or so. Um, I know I have. I just don't know how this can continue. You know, again, I just, you know, the only advantage you could say, like, maybe Tiger Campbell over Mike Smith, but, like, Mike Smith's been pretty good. And, again, it's a better matchup for Mike Smith against another smaller guard like Tiger Campbell than he's faced. Like, he has struggled the last couple of games against length and, and, and athleticism, but they found a way still. He, he still doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like, he runs the team. He's solid. He'll make open shots once in a while. He'll, he'll drive the basket, and, and if they're laying off him, uh, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll get a, a hoop here and there. But for the most part, he just finds his teammates. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't know how UCLA can continue this. And, you know, the, the news that Livers is out for the year would have ordinarily uh, said to me, like, they have no shot of winning at all. And, I, again, I, I hope we get this Michigan-Gonzaga matchup. Like, we got the – would you agree? Like, aren't you excited about that Baylor-Houston match? Like, we got a really good Final Four matchup there. Maybe ugly. It may be an ugly game, but it's going to be a really good game, hard fought, a war. Like, it's it's perfect for the Final Four. Yes, it's perfect for the Final Four, and I hope we get that with uh, with Michigan and Gonzaga, which, you know, let's go to that other game. Um, the line has come all the way down. It opened at Gonzaga laying nine and a half. Uh, it's down to eight now. Um, I would not be surprised to see it keep moving in that direction. Uh, I jumped on USC at plus nine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I did. I, I think I just think that they're going to be able to uh, keep this thing close enough because of that. I just I don't know how how effective Gonzaga is going to be getting out in transition against this team. Um, and, look, we talked about it the other day, and I guess we can talk about it again here. The big concern that I have is twofold. One, I think that Evan Mobley can really take away Drew Timmy's effectiveness in and around the paint. Uh, and Gonzaga has set a record this season for the highest two-point field goal percentage in large part due to just how effective Drew Timmy is um, around the basket and finishing. And I think that Evan Mobley can take that away. Um, I also think that they're linked. You know that they have um, more than Drew Timmy, right? You, 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 you are aware, correct? Yeah, but hold on. Let, yeah. me, let, me, let me finish my thought. You know, um, the know. other part of it is so they had, one of the assistants on that, that USC staff is Jason Hart. Who played at U, uh, played at Syracuse and knows how to run that two three zone as well as just about any assistant on the West Coast uh, at this point probably better than Mike Hopkins does uh, at least. Oh, whoa! He's also got more talent. He's also got a man named Evan Mobley. Yeah, and um, they just have so much size and length and athleticism that they can throw into that two three zone that it it's going to what it's going to come down to I think is. How well Jalen Suggs, Andrew Nemhard, and Joel Ayayi are able to shoot from the perimeter. I really think it's just going to be that simple. Because um, what I, I expect USC to do is kind of shade off of Ayayi and maybe Nemhard as well. Um, dare those guys to make shots. Yeah. And I think the counter is going to end up being who does a uh, few put at the high post and how does he create some of the open looks and whether or not he can get some, some, some clean looks for Corey Kispert. Uh, but I really do think it's going to come down to whether or not um, Gonzaga can shoot well enough to make USC come out of that zone. Because if they don't, I think it's going to be a problem for Gonzaga trying to have one of those guards 
defend Isaiah Mobley because that's what you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in that situation where you have a guard defending six foot ten Isaiah Mobley, which is a problem for for Gonzaga defensively. Yeah, listen, I you know I just don't know if I try. They're older USC's guards, and they're you know Peterson's huge. I mean he, he's probably every bit of six seven. Um, I just don't know how they're gonna stay in front of Jalen Suggs. I, I don't I mean, know. The zone, and if you're playing off of, if you have the length to be able to play off of Nemhard and play off of Ayayi, then you can always make sure that you have two guys in front of Suggs. Yeah, well, you're going to have to. End up being. The question is, how does Suggs handle the zone, right? Like, how does he handle it? Does he make good decisions? Does he dribble right into to, to trouble uh, in that zone? Like, that is going to be the key. Now, again, like, Gonzaga's got guys that can shoot the ball also. Right, like it, it, Kispert against that zone, Ayayi, they didn't really pay attention to him last game, and he made him pay early uh, against Creighton. Uh, Suggs has shown me the, the propensity to be able to make shots. He's streaky, but he can make shots, especially if you give him space. They've got enough guys on that team that can make shots, and if they're doing that against the zone, I don't know how much. How much is USC going to come down to? It's going to come down to whether or not those guys are, are making. Right. If they are, if they are in, in, like, I, I don't know how, how much, how much have they played man this year, USC? Do you know? Do you have that in synergy? I, I can, I can bring it up. Hold on. Yeah. But I'm just curious. They, they flip flop between it, but of late, as they've made this run, it's been a lot more a lot. than it has yeah. been man to man. Yeah. Um, Cause it's right. If, if, if Gonzaga forces them to go man, yeah. then USC's toast. I don't think USC can win if they have to guard, try to guard, um, try to guard Gonzaga man to man. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get Isaiah Mobley on Corey Kisper, and Corey Kisper, they're just going to run, um, run them off of all of those screens and all those down screens. So I think that would end up being a very bad matchup. Uh, we have someone in the chat saying that USC plays like ninety percent man. Ellis would know. Ellis would know. So they yeah. played a ton more ninety-two percent man. It says. On synergy, it says they've only played 171 possessions. Of uh, oh no, that's that's I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah, so they've played uh, 15% of their their defensive possessions have been in zone, wow. um, and I mean they're significantly better in a zone than they are in a man, and that just seems low. That that, uh, that that seems very low. I just think if you play if you play zone against Gonzaga, I just don't know. I mean, if you play what I say, man, if you play man against Gonzaga. Just don't think those guards, any of them, can stay in front of Suggs. Yeah, you have to stay in the zone. Well, I think you you got to start in the zone, right? You got to start in the zone and just hope that they're not making shots. And you know, again, the the one good thing for USC is they've got a lot of length, other than what Isaiah White. I'm trying to think if anybody else. Oh, and Edie, yeah, Edie. You know. They're not the longest, uh, but Peterson and the Mobleys. It's unbelievable what what he's done with this group. Like, who would have ever thought he pulled, like, these three transfers, one from Santa Clara, one from Utah Valley, one's from West Haven, Connecticut, and, um, you know, throws them with, with, with the Mobleys. And, like, this is what you got. Like, it's amazing to me. Because, again, like, these weren't, like, the transfers that you would shake your head at like we did with Carly Jones and be like, whoa, okay, that dude is going to make an impact right away. These guys weren't that, and uh, they've all been good. 
they've all they've all been honestly way better than I expected. And uh, but but again, it starts with with Evan Mobley. He's he's been the game changer, uh, the, the second best hire, uh, family hire over the last couple of years. Maybe, maybe this is the best. You know what? This one might be better than Katie. It could get him to a damn Final Four. You've got two of them. You got Isaiah and Evan, so you got two for hiring the dad. Plus, you you you're going to get a contract extension now. Boynton got seven years yesterday. He made like twenty five million dollars uh, yesterday, largely because of Cade and and, and Cannon Cunningham. Yeah, it was a worthwhile a worthwhile investment to me. Hell yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, yes, you're right. The key is going to end up being if uh, if USC is able to stay in their zone and, and and be able to keep both of the big guys on the floor because. Uh, that's where their advantage is going to lie. So um, that'll be a very interesting match to see. That's all I got for. I will be on – I'm already on USC. Um, one thing I will be trying to do, though, is if USC jumps out to a lead, uh, I'm going to try to snag a Gonzaga live line and middle it because I think that Gonzaga is probably going to end up winning. So uh, I can find a way if I can get some, like, plus value on a Gonzaga money line. Be uh, That would be a very interesting um, bet to make. So, Jeffrey, you got anything else? Um, no, I think, uh, that'll do it for the most part. I'm going to take the Zags and, uh, I'm going to take the two favorites here. I'm going to take Michigan and the, and the Zags. And I'm going to say that we're going to have one hell of a final four if that happens. Uh, yeah, because Gonzaga, Michigan, great game. If it happens, uh, Baylor, Houston, really good game. You know, this is the way you want to set up, right? You want to set up with a bunch of underdogs early that move forward, that make it intriguing, and then you get the heavyweights at the end. And legitimately, if you somehow get Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor, you're getting three the, – the teams that we thought were the three best teams come – Well, I'll, I'll tell you, if it's, if it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Houston, I think we probably have the four best teams in the country in the Final Four, which is what you want. Yeah, that is what cannot you want. argue with that. Cannot argue yep. with that. All right, Jeffrey, this has been fun.